Welcome to Life on Pause, a podcast defining the experience of being a young adult with cancer. Each episode, we explore issues impacting young adults in and after treatment. Like what you hear? Have something to add? Come join us for next month's recording, the third Tuesday at 6 p.m. Welcome to Life on Pause, a podcast for young adults living with cancer. This is your host for the episode, Brady Lucas. Today, we have with us Colton Cook. Thank you for joining us, Colton. It's nice to be here. Can you please introduce yourself and where you are currently academically? My name is Colton Cook. I am a patient at Hershey Penn State Hospital, and I'm going into my second semester at Susquehanna University. Awesome. Thanks so much. Looking into it a little bit further, I saw that one in 12 students at Susquehanna University are in the creative writing program. Why specifically did you choose creative writing? I've always liked to create things for people. I always liked making things that could create entertainment or joy for other people, whether it be through a game creator, if the game allowed you to do so, or creating stories that people could read. I haven't done much of story writing in the past, but I feel like I could make that into a skill I can hone. Let's dig a little bit deeper into that. How has your creative writing slash your creativity contributed to coping with some of your cancer issues throughout your process? There were some things that I did throughout my recovery time that I used to entertain myself. Like I made a texture pack for Minecraft that was just supposed to be ridiculous things. And even though it wasn't anything that made even sense at the time, it was still entertaining for me. It's the idea of making something made me happy. Let me preoccupy myself. That's great to hear. And I guess another question, you you were being treated during the COVID-19 pandemic, and that adds a whole new level of being careful in public and different things like that. Can you explain to the listeners how it was to be treated during COVID-19 as well as currently being treated? It was certainly interesting. I went from going in where I was the only one wearing a mask, essentially, aside from other patients. We were able to use the revolving doors, which I wish I could still do. But then about two or three months into treatment, it all just slowed down. And we had to use the the singular doors and like the three points in the front of the building. Everyone was wearing masks. You had to keep distance from each other. And there was just a constant looming threat of something that could potentially kill you out of nowhere. And you're just kind of like sitting there. There's a, there a period of time where I just felt like there was nothing I could do, especially when I got close to my town in high numbers. How did that make you personally feel that you weren't in control anymore? Well, I knew that I still had some degree of control, but it was still terrifying for sure. I just knew I had to try to sit through it. I knew I'd get through eventually if I just hung on. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, but you started college then after you were going through treatment. Can you talk a little bit about going to college, still being on treatment, as well as obviously working through everything that was going on in the world? Yeah, that's certainly interesting. Um, Would you mind if I started back with high school a bit, how it affected that? Yeah, that's perfect. Well, I was in 11th grade when I got diagnosed and I had to leave. I was also working a job back then and I had to leave that as well. I finished my 11th grade in in cyber. And then the first half of 12th grade was also cyber until I was able to go back with a robot in the second half of 12th grade. 
then for college, I was able to go in person by while I was commuting. So I drove 40 minutes there and back every day to make it to the classes. And I think I did pretty well, given the circumstances. Going to the hospital for appointments didn't affect it too much. It was just that I missed a few days and the medication affected me a little bit. The teachers were extremely understanding. Thank you for touching upon starting in high school with the, the second year diagnosed, because I think that's an important point for all the listeners to hear is you're diagnosed with cancer. And then what happens next? You're in school, you're trying to live a normal life, and then this happens. So can you tell me a little bit more about what was going through your head when they said, Colton, you have cancer? I'll be honest, my reaction isn't what I thought it was. The first time I heard that it was a possibility was sitting in the emergency room because I got an x-ray that day after I had weird results from a breathing test of the allergist. And my mom was sitting in the emergency room, not like being extremely quiet. And I asked her what was wrong. And she told me what it could be. And I just kind of let it sink in. I didn't panic. I didn't even feel too sad. I just made it didn't fully hit me yet. But there was never really a point where I felt like really sad over it. I just kind of accepted it and kept going. What has been the hardest part of treatment so far? The hardest part was probably the beginning point where they had the most intense medication. Like I've had, I, that wasn't my worst overall experience, but it's, it was so bad because it was so long. They had me in such high chemo and high prednisone that I was bloated. I was, I was constantly not able to sleep at night. I was eating a lot. So many things compounded and it even made me not motivated to do anything, which made the cyber work even worse because that kept piling up over time because there wasn't like set due dates. It was have it done by the end. So extreme procrastination went in place on top of the medication. It was not a good time for me, but I eventually was able to get through it. Yeah, there's definitely such hard times during this treatment. And I heard you talk about something earlier as far as you were still going to school and then your 12th grade year, you were able to sort of go back to school through a robot. Yeah. Can you tell us what was the motivation after getting that over that initial hump to keep going to school and eventually end up in a college program? Well, I didn't want my life to be over. If I didn't get back on the horse as soon as I could, I probably would be struggling a lot more to do so. I figured I'd want to get back on and keep functioning with my class if I could. And so um, I was able to take, was pretty much a drone into, I started 12th grade with that and I went in person second half, my bad. So I was able to get back on. I dare I could catch up. What was the school day like from uh, the drone or robot point of view? Right. Well, first I'll explain what the robot is. So imagine a cylinder with wheels on the end that could just rotate back and forth and help you spin. Then imagine a pole sticking out of the cylinder and then a tablet. That was me. And then actual me was sitting at home on a laptop out in the kitchen and just using the arrow keys to steer it around. So it was pretty much a Zoom call that you could move around, which was really cool, honestly. I preferred being in person, but in substitution of that, it served its purpose pretty well. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, it's such an interesting concept, but obviously as we continue to research biotechnology and we're able to 
hit that next level of being able to allow cancer patients to cope. It's a unique way to kind of deal with everything that's going on. Yeah, it was very handy. I hope that becomes more commonplace. Yeah, no, definitely. Can you kind of walk us through what a day was like in clinic for you? Usually a Tuesday near the beginning of every month, my mom or sometimes my grandpa drives me in. Uh, we check in, we sit down in the main waiting room, and we get our weight taken, go back out, wait a little bit longer. And then we go, we get called back by a nurse. It used to be that I get my port accessed, but that's, I don't longer have that, so I get my hand accessed. Once it's accessed, we go into um, one of the farther back waiting rooms. From there, we get called into one of the meeting rooms with the doctor. The doctor comes in and they check our counts from when we had the IV put in because they take blood as well. They say we need to change medication, which if you're doing well, you don't. And then we go back out to the waiting room. And actually, we wait in the do- that room sometimes. And one of two things happens. Either we go straight to get vincristine, which is what we get every, every time, no matter what. Or we go and get a spinal tap, which happens every four visits, I believe. How do you cope with everything that's going on? I think one of the best coping methods that anyone could reuse would be a distraction. If you were to bring some kind of device with you into the clinic, like um, I have a DS that I've brought in before or being on my phone with YouTube, those can be pretty handy if you just need to take your mind off of it. I think a lot of it is just mental too, being able to just sit through it because that's probably the biggest part is just being able to know that you'll get through it as long as you hang on. Yeah, so previously to this as well, you said that you have three dogs and three cats. Has pet therapy been a part of any any of your coping mechanism or treatment? Oh my God, my cat. So we have, there's two dogs, two cats over with my parents. Where I am, there's one cat, one dog. The dog wasn't there when I was going through the worst stuff. So I'm just going to talk about the cat. The cat's name is Zoe. She is over 10 years old and she's probably my best friend at this point. Like she would always find me somewhere in the building and jump in my lab and lay there. I could just tell when I was going through my medical stuff that she's she actually has like a close bond with me. Because there was a time I was gone for a month. She went into hiding. No one would ever see her. They just put food in her dish, you know, disappear when they're not looking. The second that she would see me, she'd come back out and act normal again. It just she was always there for me. I wasn't able to do much. I think I owe been my recovery to her. So can you talk a little bit then, you know, your suggestions as far as pet therapy? Some kind of animal that would be able to cozy up with you and keep you comforted while you're recovering. Though a cat would probably be your best call for that one. No, that, that's definitely great. Can you talk a little bit as well? You told me before that you have siblings as well as parents. Can you tell me a little bit how your family has coped with your illness? Well, not all of them have told me how they handled it. It's kind of a hard one to answer, really. I think they just had to endure it like I did. Hold strong. I know that it definitely affected them. I just don't know if anything specific they've done. Sometimes it is hard because from my personal experience, at least, you know, parents or siblings don't often express it. And then you're either trying to figure out what they have to say or you're trying to figure out, you know, moving forward what it, what they can do, essentially. You know, I, I, I want to go back to this creative idea of what's next for you. So as a cancer patient, you're in treatment still. What do you hope for the future? 
I'm trying to continue my writing studies at my college, and I'm hoping to be on some kind of storyboard one day. So obviously, this podcast is called Life on Pause. Can you describe to the listeners how your life was paused when you were diagnosed with cancer and even the residual effects today? Oh, I can I can name the things that were going on, what I had going on for me beforehand. I was a section leader in marching band, like saxophones. I was pretty proud of that, and I think I was leading my section pretty well. I had a girlfriend of two years. Um, that didn't last after it happened. I was doing pretty well in school. I was in AP Psych and got bumped to regular psych. Not to mention a higher math class, I also got bumped down. I went from pre-calc to algebra 2, so that's quite a jump. There's, there are a lot of things I got set behind. How does that make you feel that cancer almost took that away from you a little bit? Well, the classes thing, uh, it's not the end of the world. I'm not trying to go for a math major, so that's not going to kill me. I'm taking psych again this year, so that'll be kind of redemption for that. Girlfriend thing, I'm kind of glad that happened, actually, because I kind of showed something about her. There are setbacks, but they're not gone. Yeah, and I guess the other thing, too, you talked about music. Has music oh. been an opportunity for you to kind of establish normalcy within your life? I'm actually really into music, me and my brother both. I haven't really got back into it too much. I was able to be in our marching band for senior year, though with COVID, which is a stadium band. And hey, what can you do? I know I took up the habit of singing to myself when I'm alone, and that was actually kind of comforting for me. I guess that could also be a good coping me- mechanism. Uh, I can be uplifted by music pretty easily. What types of genres do you typically listen to? I listen to a pretty big variety. Marshmallow, Panic at the Disco, Train, Don McLean, Queen, Imagine Dragons, Fallout Boy, Green Day, Bon Jovi, Maroon 5. There's a bunch that I listen to. Yeah, it's definitely a wide variety of different groups and individuals that you listen to. I guess another thing, too, I want to ask you, as far as looking ahead, I know you said you were looking into storyboards, looking into just continuing your writing career. What are some fears that you have associated with your illness? Honestly, I'm not too scared of it. The only thing that that would re-terrify me right now would be a relapse, because I think I'm on the course to a full recovery at this point. At least with my illness, I think it'll be completely gone when I'm done with treatment. Like, I'll have recurring small treatments every few months, getting longer and longer, but then I'll eventually get out of it. So I'm just hoping it stays that way. Yeah, I mean, that's a great mindset to have, to be able to just move forward and continue to live a life that you were hopefully meant to live. So another thing is, too, does your cancer diagnosis play into any role of your future writing your future, playing music, anything like that? Well, I will say it has affected my writing. You know, I said that I was going to um, try to submit one of my stories for publishing. Um, It was actually one that kind of connects to my stuff. It's from the perspective of a kid whose friend goes through pretty much what I had with some altered details. What's the story called? And would you mind sharing a little bit about it? It's called Wes. It's not published anywhere. I'm trying to get published, as I heard. I think it might have a good shot. It definitely has a lot of pure emotion. Would you mind sharing with the guests some of the emotion that Wes feels? I'm assuming that's his name or even the friends feel. 
it's limited to the friend's perspective. So the only thing the audience knows is what the friend can see. And I'd definitely say that um, the emotions shown are kind of strange because I had a very positive outlook on my diagnosis and just trying to stay positive. So the character Wes seems pretty strange in that aspect because I tried to make him mirror that, which also confused my intro fiction workshop. They didn't know the real life connection. Okay. Yeah, out of everyone in that class, it's like 16 people, only one figured it out. Wow. So how do you go about telling people you're in the middle of treatment or do you typically disclose it? I don't tell people up front. I typically only told people that have really known me for most of my college year. It took me about a month to tell the first people. I think about seven people know from my campus, aside from teachers. Do you find that you get interesting reactions when you're gotten, telling someone? I've gotten mixed. Like some people are surprised. Some are, I don't know. Most people are surprised because like you don't expect someone to just tell you that. I had one very interesting reaction because uh, there's this one guy in my intro fiction class who has a very sadistic sen- sense of humor when it comes to writing things. So he likes to write horror things. He just, he told me, without knowing my situation first, he told me that Wes, the character that's based off of me, w- should have a plot twist where he died of COVID from his friend. And then when I told him that it was supposed to be based off of me, he felt so bad. It's so incredibly bad. So I don't blame him. But that was probably the best reaction. Yeah, I can only imagine in that situation how you're supposed to react to that. What are your thoughts or suggestions for individuals that are going through college after they're diagnosed with cancer? Don't make a big noise out of being sick if you don't have to. I don't think people would would be, really be mean to you about it. It just try to go on like you normally would. If you need help, that's all right. You can ask for help then, but try and go with the flow with it. No, I think that's great suggestions. Do you have any suggestions on how to ask for help? I think the best way to go would just be to be direct. Tell someone straight up, hey, I need help with this. I I can't really handle on my own. I'm not feeling the best. Well, as we wrap up this interview, what's one piece of information that you hope listeners get out of your story or the conversation today? If you get kicked down, if you get dragged through the mud, that's not an excuse to just be done. You need to get up and you need to keep trying because there's definitely still hope to get what you wanted in the first place. Do not give up, ever. Well, thank you for sharing that, Colton. And thank you so much for being with us today. I think it's been great for the listeners to get to hear your story a little bit, to get to hear a little bit about the impact of robots in classrooms that many people may not even be aware of. I think the impact of going through cancer treatment during college and hearing the raw truth that you truly shared with us about, well, what happens when you're diagnosed with cancer? What are some feelings that you're experiencing? And just moving forward, keep on going on. And I think that's words that we can all learn from. Thank you so much again, Colton. Thank you for your honest and authentic answers. We look forward to your future of bringing stories to life. Thank you to our audience for joining us today on Life on Pause. Like what you heard? Please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. Until next time, keep on going. Thanks for listening to Life on Pause. 
ideas or suggestions for future episodes, feel free to share them with us. Join us for the next recording on the third Tuesday of the month. Until Until next time. time.